everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chillin' in the State House, everyone's favorite Kansas state government and politics podcast. I'm Andrew Ball, one half of the Topeka Capital Journal State House team, and I'm the only half currently in the United States of America. Yes, that's right. Your your partner uh, in journalism is on a cruise of some sort. Yes, Jason Tidd, my better half. Not here this week, so it is just a. Uh, I'm going mano y mano with uh, John Hanna, the Associated Press. John, how are you? I'm doing fine. I'm just, you know, chilling because we're chilling in the state house. We're taking it very literally. Yes, yes. Um, how's your week been? It's been okay. I mean, a lot of discussion of uh, the congressional races, and one in particular, the one in the Kansas City area. Sharice uh, Davids, the incumbent, a Democrat, the only Democrat in the congressional delegation of against Amanda Adkins, a uh, former healthcare company IT executive. The company was Cerner Corporation, also a former Kansas Republican Party chair, former chair of the Children's Cabinet, which is a group that makes recommendations on how to spend money that was derived from settlements with tobacco companies for children's programs. And you had a, a fairly in-depth look at this race come out earlier this week after, after some, uh, some effort uh, getting it out the door. It, it's out there in all its glory. You should go check that out if you're listening. Um. Why don't you, could you just kind of explain, I mean, the district in of itself was, uh, just the geography has evolved from the last time we had uh, a race. Looks a little bit differently, uh, correct? Yes. Well, first we should note that this is a rematch of the 2020 race. In 2020, the district was uh, the Kansas City area, all of it, Wyandotte County, all of Johnson County. And uh, a, a top part of Miami County, Sharice um, Davids won that race by about 10 percentage points. Joe Biden, the Democrat, carried the presidential, uh, carried the district in the presidential race by roughly 10 percentage points. The legislature had to redraw congressional districts to balance out their population after a decade of shifts. And they, the Republican-controlled legislature, cut the Kansas City, Kansas area in half and took roughly two-thirds of the voters and moved them into the second district with Jake, which is now represented by Republican Jake LaTurner. And they added three, they added the rest of Miami County, they added Franklin County, and they added Anderson County, three uh, pretty Republican counties, especially when you consider uh, that they went very heavily for president, former President Donald Trump in the presidential race. Also, I think they went for Republican congressional candidates, I think, if I'm recalling correctly, by about 43 percentage points. So Sharice Davids literally lost her best territory in terms of uh, votes and receive territory that is much more Republican for her. And if you took the numbers from the 2020 vote and you parsed them out, both she and Biden would have seen their margins cut in half, about five percentage points. Now, of course, this is not the 2020 race. 
That is true. Um, and I think it's worth also pointing out Franklin County, as well as Miami County, in the August 2nd primary for the Constitutional Amendment on Abortion, uh, yes, we still remember that, uh, they both voted no. Yes. So, you know, very conservative counties, but also not a monolith. Right. And we'll, we'll get to abortion. Um, the reason this race is different than the 2020 race is, of course, it's a midterm, uh, the first midterm of Biden's presidency that generally skews against the party in power in the White House. The Republicans, uh, Adkins, and like Republicans across the country, are running hard on economic issues, pocketbook issues, particularly inflation. They're blaming Biden and Democratic incumbents, suggesting that their actions wrecked the economy. And um, the voters in the middle, moderate Republicans, independents, that's who they're going for. And some of them, the economy is number one on their minds. And uh, doing the math, Adkins just has to pick up uh, several percentage points in Johnson County, which is still the bulk of the district in terms of the number of voters, and she can win the race. Well, this sounds like a lot of headwinds for Sharice Davids, Congresswoman Davids. Can you talk us through how she's responding to that and kind of the messages she's been hitting and how she's been campaigning in her new Sure. It is. There are some headwinds for Sharice Davids. As people may remember, she won that seat in 2018, kind of riding that big anti-Trump wave in the American suburbs. She got some notoriety because she is uh, a lesbian Native American and Besides being a lawyer, she's also been a mixed martial arts fighter. I think she had four actual fights in the ring. I think two of them were professional. Uh, the octagon. The octagon. Okay. Well, I'm you know I'm I'm not a, a cognoscenti of of mixed martial arts, so I welcome. By, by, by the way, um, my daughter enjoyed you describing me as a Beauty and the Beast acolyte in the last episode. <laughs> we're, uh, just, we're busting out all the SAT words. Yes, the, yes. Well, you podcast. know, yes. Anyway, um, so she and, and initially during the campaign, and uh, of course there wasn't really a squad, so to speak, until after the election, but Republicans tried to paint Davids as part of the squad, the the liberal Democratic House members, uh, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, um, and there are several others. Ilan Omar, um, uh, the Ayanna Presley, yes, of Massachusetts. Um, there's one more who I'm blanking on, and, and Talib of Michigan, yes, I think. Talib, yep. Um, and also a lot of Nancy Pelosi bad kind of rhetoric. Yes, but Sharice Davids kind of took on a kind of measured, uh, I'm not a radical persona. Um, Lots of references in her ads to like uh, infrastructure, height, uh, government funding for research on like 
tech uh, right. supporting businesses. She kinds uh, of things I guess you would expect to play well in a right. A and I district. caught up with her here recently at a roundtable with Kansas City area leaders, where there was discussion of supply chain issues and workforce training and. You know that that those sorts of issues. So she's kind of made those things, for the most part, leading up to this campaign, her bread and butter. And and you know, some of her ads for this campaign have been positive spots about you know that talk about her and supply chain issues and helping a business and and all of that stuff. But but she was also a visible opponent of the anti proposed anti-abortion amendment to the state constitution that was up for a vote August 2nd and went down by a decisive margin, uh, very visible as an opponent. And since then, she and the Democratic Party, first with Democratic Party mailers, now with uh, a television ad from Davids, have been hitting Amanda Adkins very hard for supporting that proposed amendment, and which in the district, even with the new territory, that proposed amendment failed sixty-seven point five with sixty-seven point five percent of voters voting no. And that's running about eight points ahead of how it fared statewide. Sure, so. and that's probably largely be, because of Johnson, Johnson County. County. Yeah. I mean, the the proposed amendment was wildly unpopular in Wyandotte County, which could be expected because it's a Democratic stronghold. But it was also wildly unpopular in Johnson County, uh, and you've got a mix of Democrats. And moderate Republicans who support abortion rights and independents who support abortion rights. So she's been hitting that issue very hard. Well, and to your point, I mean, she was visible to the point where she was out knocking doors in opposition yes. to the amendment. You know, she uh, much more than Governor Laura Kelly, who well, was largely and- silent on this. She was kind of the the figure, the the elected figure who was most out in front in opposition yes and and that's interesting because that's in stark stark contrast to how democrats have handled the the abortion issue over the past three decades since the uh, summer of mercy protests in wichita in 1991 the out in front of uh, then dr george tiller's clinic in wichita he was among a few U.S. physicians known to do abortions late in pregnancies. He, of course, was shot to death in 2009 by an anti-abortion zealot who's now uh, serving life in prison, I think was his sentence, either the hard 50 or life in prison. But, yes, Democrats had generally, in most areas, uh, soft-pedaled their support for abortion rights on the theory that it could hurt them with even moderate Republicans and independents. The vote kind of had uh, people rethinking that political calculation. And so Davids has been hitting that issue hard. And and what's, what's interesting is the response from Adkins has been that she she notes that she is a Catholic mother who has always been anti-abortion, but she says she does not support a federal law, that this issue should be left to the states, and um, and that uh, Davids is improperly trying to make this a federal issue when it should be a state issue. Um, but, of course, she hasn't said specifically what kind 
of abortion law in Kansas she would support, where she would draw the line where most abortions are banned, that sort of thing. She does say she's for incremental changes that would decrease the number of abortions. Now, of course, Davids has an abortion rights voting record. She voted for a Democratic proposal last year that would have guaranteed abortion rights across the country and overridden state restrictions, especially like the ones we've seen passed by legislators in Texas and Oklahoma and Missouri and Louisiana and other southern and midwestern states. Well, I think kind of the other tack that uh, David's folks and and their associated alphabet soup of national uh, group allies have taken is um, much the same one we've seen in the governor's race, trying to tie Amanda Atkins to former Governor Sam Brownback. Uh, of course, Atkins, as you said, was uh, state party chair overlapping, in 2010, overlapping, overlapping. with Brownback. She also um, she she also worked on I think maybe his campaign staff before that when he was a U.S. senator, and of course she was he was governor when she was children's cabinet chair. Um, you know, and and frankly, it's a much easier line to draw than trying to connect Attorney General Dirk Schmidt to. Well, we'll we'll let we'll let the voters decide that. But Schmidt, the criticism of Schmidt was that he defended in court things that Brownback did, particularly Brownback in the legislature on school funding laws that were later found by the court not to be adequate funding under the state constitution. But yes, Adkins arguably has much stronger ties to Brownback, and the Davids ads, you know, have quotes from Adkins talking about, you know, how she thought uh, Governor Brownback was a terrific governor. I can't remember the exact word, but she thought highly of him. And, and of course, um, Brownback is best known nationally for the notorious experiment in cutting income taxes that was followed by persistent, ongoing, very big budget shortfalls until in 2017, most of that tax experiment was reversed. Uh, he he ended up, uh, when he left office, being politically unpopular and probably especially so in Johnson County, or at least large parts of Johnson County. Well, and the attack, I, mean, I think this is the same reason we're seeing these these kinds of attacks in the governor's race as well, um, particularly on, on schools. Yeah, uh, that's a very important issue in Johnson County, I think. Kind of well, to... the the history of Johnson County is Johnson County um, was always up until World War Two, maybe a little bit afterwards was always it, it was not the place it is today. Um, you know, former Senate President Dick Bond Uh, The late Senate President Dick Bond used to talk about in the early 50s riding a horse to high school, uh, and it was one of the Shawnee Mission high schools. Um, Well, I'm not sure they even allow (laughs) horses. I think you have to get a special permit or pay a driveway tax or something. Um, Anyone who's ever driven through there, that's unfathomable. Right, that's unfathomable now. And, of course, what what you had there was a post-World War II boom uh, in the suburbs. It happened a lot of places, but it happened 
uh, on steroids in Johnson County, and and they were one of the things that drew families in were the, was the school system, really good schools, and um, and so that tradition remains. And during all of these school funding debates, and you know, I've been around long enough to remember the school funding debates of, gosh, the as far back 30 years, I think. And, you know, Johnson County was always, legislators from Johnson County, officials from Johnson County were always pushing for permission to raise as much property tax or sales tax revenue as they could for their schools. And, um, and of course, the issue with that was them, the issue was, Yes, they can have great schools, but other schools can't far, fall too far behind. And so that's where this concept of using the school funding law to equalize funding or allowing the poor districts to catch up to the Johnson counties came from. You know, in the next few weeks as we get closer to Election Day, are there, are there signs you're going to be looking for, inflection points maybe to gauge, you know, maybe where we're going to be at in that in that very important race, which is, I think, going to be one of the races most important if the Democrats are going to have any hope of maintaining control of the U.S. House of Representatives. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think the general read right now is given that the Democrats' majority in the House is so narrow – it's it's a there's a pretty good chance that Republicans will will take control of the House. I, I think five I saw five thirty eight ca- uh, uh, forecast that that said there was like a seventy percent chance, maybe a little higher of that happening. But yes, they're they're going to be. I mean, one question is going to be how how much how much is anger over the overturning of Roe versus Wade among suburban women, how much energy is that going to continue to provide to get voters who, you know, came out on August 2nd to keep coming out and to, you know, voting for a candidate is more complicated than voting for an issue. And therefore, uh, you know, the question is, how well does that translate? And then the other, the other issue is going to be, are suburban residents who are upset over the economy, they don't like what they're paying for gas or groceries or housing, how much are they going to blame President Biden and by extension his fellow Democrats, and how much is that frustration going to offset the anger over abort, you know, the potential of losing abortion access? Although, you know, that potential is less now in Kansas. Although, uh, you know, it's interesting because I talked to a lot of people who both parties, although Republicans tend to describe the issue as settled for November, but Democrats, I I haven't had a Democrat say, oh, that issue's been settled. Um, The sense is that it will keep coming back and for abortion rights supporters, it, the the argument is is that you need to have people like Davids and Kelly in place to protect abortion rights. And Chris Mann 
in the attorney general's office. In other words, if you've got conservative Republicans, you're always going to be, uh, I, I guess, at the battlements waiting for the next attack. And uh, vote to retain Kansas Supreme Court justices. Yes, that's another issue. We that's that's actually, yeah, we could too. do a whole episode on that because it's not just Kansas where that's an issue. There, there are races in Illinois and other states where where abortion is at the core of of what happens with state Supreme Courts. Well, and we should note there are four other races for uh, Congress on the ballot in November. Yes. We're not going to spend quite as much time breaking those down because, frankly, they're not expected to be as competitive. Um, no. You've got the U.S. Senate race, uh, Jerry Moran running against Democrat Mark Holland. Moran is pretty much is expected to win that one fairly easily. Moran is somebody who has managed to unite all the feuding factions of the Republican Party uh, and attract independent and and voters with kind of this aw shucks demeanor. And, you know, he's known for doing lots and lots of town halls and and all of that. The first district, which now includes that great rural agricultural center of Lawrence, <laughs> is yeah. Actually, uh, there are farmers outside Lawrence, so we shouldn't joke too much. But well, I think that's just a Kansas thing. Uh, there's no county in Kansas in which you don't have farmers, right? So. <laughs> and and yes, um, yes, um, that is represented by Tracy Mann. Uh, there is really no sense that he's in much danger of losing. Well, we should say, though, uh, Democrat Jimmy Beard, a Garden City math teacher, is on the ballot yes. uh, in that one. And um, I think really the, the interesting thing will be to see how Lawrence changes that dynamic. Yeah. Not in the sense that Tracy Mann is going to lose, but in the sense that when Congressman Mann won in 2020, it was one of the most decisive – I mean, that that was one of the most Republican and, districts in the country. And um, Democrats had a really good young candidate that year in Callie Barnett. They really thought highly of her. They thought, you know, she was going to make it a very, very competitive race, and just the margin was still as wide as it usually is. Um Let's see, in the 4th District, Ron Estes, the incumbent congressman. Yeah, he's running against a Democrat, Bob Hernandez, who's a U.S. Army veteran uh, businessman in, in Wichita. Also not expected to be conser- uh, competitive, and that district really didn't change a ton during redistricting. No, it did not. And then the 2nd District, with got, which got uh, some noodly appendages for, for you uh, Flying Spaghetti Monster fans, acolytes. <laughs> Did you put you, you didn't manage to sneak that into a story, right? You know, actually back in the day when I was writing about the debate over how to teach evolution, I you know, if I I did interview Bill Nye the science guy. The lead was Bill Nye is one mad science guy. Um and that that was interesting. And and I may have gotten a reference to the uh pastafarians in there the the believers in the flying spaghetti not monster and his his uh, it's uh, noodly appendages as they said but yes the second district has started to i think how did you describe it it was like one of those inflatable thingies outside of your car lot <laughs> was that your description i don't it remember twi- that it kind of twists a little bit yeah because it goes up to leavenworth and then swings around and grabs part of wyandotte county 
but doesn't get most of Douglas County, but then gets Topeka and goes down all the way to southeast Kansas. And it's, yeah, it, it's an interesting shape. But, but there is no sense that it's significantly less Republican than it was. I mean, Patrick Schmidt, the Democratic candidate, yes. is running and he's... Uh, a pr- a, I would say a fairly he's serious campaign, serious he's vigorous cam- campaign. Yeah, this is not the this is not the person who is uh, this is not a person who is there to give the Democrats a mere choice or to be a sacrificial lamb. I mean, he's really working on it, but mm-hmm. it's still a very tough, tough race. Yeah, and I want to spend a, a couple moments on this district because I think it's interesting, and not just because it includes Topeka, where we, you know, at the Cap Journal, we get paid to care about this district. But I think it's interesting for other reasons as well. You know, we have U.S. Uh, we have Congressman Jake Letourneau, the incumbent. Yes. He won in 2020 by a fairly decisive margin over Topeka Mayor Michelle de la Isla and what I think a lot of national observers had hoped could be uh, more competitive than it wound well, up being. And, and the reason for that was in 2018 when Republican Steve Watkins, an army, a military contractor, military veteran, emerged from a... Fan of the UPS store. <laughs> Well, we'll not get into that. Uh, former Iditarod racer uh, and Mount Everest climber um, emerged from, I think, a seven-person primary. It was a lot. That was it, with I, an, I'm unbelievable. With primary. less than, I think, it was less than twenty-eight percent of the vote. And he, I mean, narrowly, narrowly beat Paul Davis, yes, who had been the Democratic nominee for governor in twenty fourteen. So there was a lot of hope that that was a um that was a signal that it would be a competitive district and you know Jake Laturner got in there really decisively beat uh Watkins in the primary and then had a pretty decisive win in November but i mean this is a district where with different lines of course but it is not unheard of to have a democrat uh in in office nancy boyda the most recent mm-hmm. example of that i mean jim slattery yeah uh, well now of point. course when most of when slattery was jim slattery was congressman 80s and 90s there were five congressional districts so he didn't have southeast kansas for most of that time but the the and and you used to have a fairly good Democratic presence in Southeast Kansas, Crawford County, Pittsburgh, Cherokee, all those areas used to have a pretty strong Democratic Party. I mean, Crawford County had a a county commissioner named Papa Joe Saya, who was on the county commissioner, I think, for 50 years. Um, very uh, ethnically diverse, Catholic, um, uh, ethnically, I mean, you know, uh, Polish, uh, uh, Czech, I, I mean, I, Eastern I, European ethnically diverse. I should be clear about that. I assume, I assume that's because of the mines. Yes, it was because of the mining. A lot of uh, good union presence. So it had, uh, I mean, they had state senators who were Democrats, state reps who were Democrats. And then, you know, starting about 10 maybe 15 years ago it started to turn much more republican and then i think trump kind of sealed that the bottom fell i mean to the point where a lot of counties that were 
if you go look at the map when Kathleen Sebelius won re-election, she swept southeast Kansas. And then, you know, you go look 10 years later, some of those counties don't even have county Democratic parties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of that's been rebuilt, I think. But. I, and I think I think that's, you know, that reflects the growing rural, urban, suburban polarization mm-hmm. in American politics. The shift of what people who'd been working class Democrats um, toward Republicans because of Trump, all of that. So that territory is much tougher. I mean, some a candidate like Nancy Boyda, for example, could win Topeka, could win Lawrence, could do well in, say, Leavenworth County and pick up a lot of votes in southeast Kansas and offset all the Republican territory in the rest of the district. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Manhattan in the district at one point when she was in there? Or is that, am I thinking... Uh, that was before the 2012 redistricting. See, in 2012, one of the big arguments was whether Manhattan should be in the second or the first, and it got moved to the first. But then when she would have been in office. She was 2000. Yeah, it, it, I think it was in the second when she was in office um, because she was 2007, 2008, I believe. And then Lynn Jenkins came along at some point, came and won that. And, I mean... Actually know, ousted her. I think it was 2008 that yeah. Jenkins ousted her. Well, and I think, um, you know, I mean, Patrick Schmidt, I think, has, has kind of campaigned on Turner being a, for lack of a better word, uh, I think this is more his terminology, uh, you know, kind of a lackey a a happy to to vote as as house republican leadership wants him to you know fall fell in line on things like um opposing the uh, inflation reduction act that we just saw um he voted against uh certifying the 2020 uh, election in several states but i mean the fact of the matter is uh, congressman Latour, i mean he there just is not a lot there to run on, I think, in opposition to uh, well, as a, as in, a freshman. In, in, yeah, as an area in, in a district that is, you know, has that much Republican territory in it, no. I mean, it, it, it's a tough race. I mean, clearly some of what Letourner is doing politically and in Congress doesn't sell in parts of Topeka – and it would not definitely would not sell in Lawrence, but you know Lawrence isn't in that district anymore, and and it may not be popular in Wyandotte County, um, but again, you've got an awful lot of Republican territory. It's going to be interesting. It is. Um, you know, there's there was this sense in the spring that there was going to be a huge Republican wave and Democrats might lose, you know, 30, 40, 50 seats, maybe more. It was going to be, you know, they were, you had this, you had this wave of retirements because everybody saw the wave coming. And then, then the U S Supreme court stepped in, issued the Dobbs decision overturning Roe versus Wade. And, Democrats got a lot of energy from that. And then you had the Kansas vote, which got them, you know, 
it things kind of swung back the other way. Kind of swung back the area for for a while there. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Democrats were higher than the audience at a Grateful Dead concert. Um, you know, in terms of this where is a they family were. show, John, family show. Well, you know, they get high on the music at a Grateful Dead concert, right? That's it. You need to save it's that. It's not that you wacky. You need to save that right? for the the special committee on medical marijuana. Uh, I there, I have a great a great story about marijuana. I was in the mall with my daughter, and we were at a kiosk looking at chains. It was around Christmas time, so we're looking for a gold chain as a gift for someone. And I made a crack to the young man behind the counter. The kiosk no longer exists. You know, there was a belt and buckle. Frankly, neither does the mall, really. Yeah, really. It was a belt buckle with a big marijuana leaf on it. And I made some crack about, boy, you know, I bet that, I bet, I bet you won't get stopped by the police for wearing that big belt buckle with a marijuana leaf. And the young man looked at me and said, that, sir, is a Canadian maple leaf. <laughs> and, you know, of course, my daughter and I just fell to the floor laughing because it was uh, clearly not a Canadian maple leaf. Although my daughter and I, my daughter lives in Illinois where uh, recreational marijuana is legal. And we've decided that Canadian maple leaf would be a great name for a strain. So, you know, if if you start a pot business... Um, you can't do it here. You, <laughs> you might should, be able to do it in Missouri. You soon. might be able to do it in Missouri or Oklahoma. Canadian maple leaf is a great name for a strain. Congratulations, John. You're going to get the Chillin' in the State House HQ raided by the KBI. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, don't we don't have any Canadian maple leaf here. We're, we're, what it is you say? We're a law-abiding. We are podcast. law-abiding I mean, citizens. Yes, on we the are podcast. law-abiding citizens. Um. On that note, for all the coverage of medical marijuana, congressional races, and whatever else we dream up at the Topeka <laughs> Capital Journal, you can find all that at cjonline.com, or you can check us out on social media. We're on Facebook. Go like us there. Or on Twitter and Instagram, at cjonline. Uh, I am on Twitter, at Andrew Ball, B-A-H-L. And Jason, I'll plug his Twitter in absentia, uh, he's at Jason underscore Tid. And John, how about you? Well, I'm at APJD Hanna. And then, you know, www.apnews.com backslash. I got the hand motion. Uh, Kansas with a capital K. Does it have to be a capital K? I think so. I mean, I like it being a capital K. Kansas isn't important enough. Great state of Kansas. Great state of Home Kansas. Home of Dwight Eisenhower and Amelia Earhart and the wonderful Rolling Prairie. Also place where Kerry Nation smashed many a saloon. And Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, says we don't have a brand. Oh, pfft. we do have a brand. Kansas is, you know, wonderful. I think so, too. I think, you know, the mayor can shove it. <laughs> But, well, I won't go that far because I may have to write about the mayor. He may come to Kansas at some point and do somebody a campaign. So, I, uh, you know, look, New New Yorkers, Californians, they always think of Kansas and Iowa and places like wonderful places like that as flyover states. But we know, you know better. We know better. It's 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 got its own beauty and its own 
wonderfulness uh, to appreciate. Well, if the mayor wants to learn a little more about yes. Kansas's wonderfulness, we'll invite him here. Yes, and he can listen to the podcast to to get a heaping dose of it. Uh, yeah, that that kind of thing from outsiders goes back. I mean, there there have been a couple of times when mayors of other cities or people in other states have uh, mocked Kansas and or Topeka specifically, and it's just it's not cool, people. <laughs> back off we like kansas we do we don't hate other places we like kansas exactly that's a perfect way of looking at it but uh kansas wonderfulness is on display every week on chilling in the state house you can catch back episodes and subscribe google Podcasts, apple uh apple Podcasts, google play spotify or you can go to cjonline.com and we post new episodes there every week John? Andrew? It's a lot easier to do the sign-off with only <laughs> yeah, two people. Yes. Um, we, th- we don't get into a circle and keep going. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, as always. Yes, pleasure. I have pleasure to be here. What do you say we do this next week? Yeah, if we can, let's do it. And we will see you all back here, same time, same place. Have a good one, y'all. <laughs>